You're listening to the Youth for Life podcast with Michelle Baum, director of Why for Life at Lutherans for Life, where we prepare youth to be gospel-motivated voices for life. Be sure to stick around after today's live recording of our Chats for Life program to find out how you can be live too on our next Youth for Life podcast. I'd like to introduce our speakers tonight. We have two in one screen, Mark and Christy Bridges. Just full disclosure, um, they are my brother and sister-in-law, and they have adopted two children, two sons, uh, internationally, and we're going to hear about their story tonight. And then we also have guest speakers on, uh, Lydia and Nikolai Hawk, and they're going to be speaking about their experience as uh, children who have been adopted. Let's go ahead and have Mark and Christy uh, start off with us. Would you just kind of introduce yourselves and tell us about your, your kids and where they're from and those sort of things, just basic facts. I'm Mark Bridges. And I'm Christy Bridges. <laughs> and uh, we have two sons from South Korea. Uh, one's from Seoul and then one is from a province of Seoul. David, it was our first child. We got him in 2005. He is uh, 14. He's a freshman in high school. So he had a lot of questions about this tonight. He was happy that he didn't have to talk. <laughs> um, and then we have uh, Eli, who is 11, and he is in sixth grade, and he's at soccer practice. So we may see him later when he comes home. Or hear him. Hear him. <laughs> you will hear him. You probably won't see him. <laughs> okay. All right. And then let's introduce uh, Lydia, if you could introduce yourself. So I'm from Columbus, Indiana, but I was born in Russia. And yeah, been here my whole life practically. So. All right, and Nikolai, would you introduce yourself? All right, my name is Nikolai Hawk. Um, I am also adopted from Russia. Um, I've also been living in Indiana since I was two years old. I was adopted, I was 99, I think, when I came over here. Okay, well tonight uh, we have kind of a series of questions that we want to pose um, to Mark and Christy and then and Lydia and Nikolai and we'll kind of jump back and forth if that's okay. You guys can be quick on the unmute yourself um, button. Um, but let's start off with Mark and Christy. So what caused you to, to want to pursue international adoption over maybe stateside adoption and what kind of process did you go through in order to adopt? internationally. We found out we could not have children and so about a month later we were pursuing adoption and a couple of reasons why we chose international adoption was um, we were quite young at the time and if you adopt within the United States you have a portfolio of yourself and you kind of make a portfolio and then the birth mom picks the parents of what they're going to do and we, I don't know how to say that. <laughs> there are certain, certain laws where we lived where a birth mom could, within one year, if they wanted their child back, they could get their child back. And most were encouraged to have open adoptions. And, you know, we weren't very big on that. So we just went international. A lot more paperwork, I would assume, than regular adoptions um, in the United States. Probably a lot more expensive. But we chose South Korea. And our, for our first adoption, we went through an adoption agency out of Detroit, Michigan. And I cannot remember the name of it. I don't either. So <laughs> It was 14 years ago. <laughs> Seems like forever ago. You know, and then our second adoption, we went through Hope International through 
Omaha, Nebraska. And some of the, we had to technically become a foster parents first. So we had to work within the United States and we had to do all the paperwork and all the home study to become a foster parent. And then we had to take quite a few classes and read different books and do different things. It depended on the agency. Since we've worked with two different agencies, each agency has required two different things of the parents, but it's um, a lot of work on our side and a lot of paperwork and a lot of, it just it took a lot of time and a lot of effort to do that. For David, it took, it took almost about nine months to get him. Uh, it would have taken less, but Unfortunately, our government didn't decided not to file the paperwork, and so we we waited an extra month. And then when we went to adopt Eli, South Korea had decided that they weren't going to. This was their last year to do international adoptions. That they were going to close their borders and uh, adopt their own children, children from within their own country. So that took a little bit longer. It took about 22 months for us to get Eli. So he wasn't born when we started. Uh, but it was nine months old when we when he came home. So you didn't have a say in whether you wanted um, a boy or a girl. You well. could. <laughs> yeah. You could you could put in a preference, but it was you know hey this is child is available, and uh, the biggest thing was they had a whole paperwork of all these disabilities, and you had to be open to adopt again depending on the agency open to adopt a certain number of disabilities so mm -hmm. with the child so that was the biggest thing so the more disabilities you're open to the quicker the adoption process would be yeah okay so when you received uh, david how old was he and when you received eli how old was he and is that a normal is that something that um, is typical of international adoptions so David, he was um, five months old when he came to the United States. And at that time in that year, that was very common for babies to be around five, six months old. When we adopted Eli, the laws, as Mark said, changed. And so they were not able to be open for international adoption until after they were six months of age. So Eli lived in an orphanage when he was born. And then after six months of age, then he could have been open for international. And we did not, then once that paperwork all went through, we didn't get him till he was nine months old. So. And, and you had to have had a, you had to be either Korean yourself or have a Korean child that you had already adopted to adopt again from South Korea. In, in that year. In that year. And do you know, is South Korea open for adoption now? I'm not sure. I, I really don't know. They were going to close their borders, but then I heard that they were open. But then I don't know anymore. I always tell my boys we're going to adopt a little girl just to see what happens. And they're, they're older now, so they're not, uh, they're not very keen on it, but uh, I am. Sure, yeah. Okay, so let, let's transition now to Nikolai and Lydia because... Um, Nikolai and Lydia, um, you obviously your parents maybe have shared with you the story of, of how you were adopted and do you remember life before adoption and um, you know based on on what your parents have you know talked about how, how did that process work for you guys? To be honest I really don't I don't remember anything from back then uh, everything that I've 
figured out was told to me by my parents or other people that were there or were told about it. Mm-hmm. But I have no memory, no recollection of it at all. And I was and I was two years old too. So I was I'd already been living for a little bit. But I know Lydia was very young still, so she didn't and there's no way she remembered any of it, but when when your parents came over, um, were they expecting to take one child home or two children or three children or um, because they actually came to Russia, right? right. Whereas yeah. the babies were brought the babies were brought to um, Mark and Christy, your parents actually went over to Russia. Is that correct? Correct. So they like sent us, actually, I remember absolutely nothing. I was nine months when I got adopted. Mm-hmm. And like we had pictures and that's all I really know, but I don't remember anything. So they got sent like referral videos. So it's basically just a video of us doing our thing. So it was a video of me just laying in my crib basically <laughs> and from that they were like yes or no but that I'm pretty sure they only came expecting one I don't know if that's actually right but definitely not two at the same time so like one and then like go back to America and then come over again but they didn't expect to come on with two at once I'm pretty sure yeah, and usually with Russia adop- Russian adoptions, um, and again, those are, sometimes they're occurring and sometimes those borders are closed, um, and it depends on, again, the government, but very often with Russian adoptions, a family needs to be prepared to bring home one, two, or three, right, and they don't necessarily know until they, they get over there, so um, that's very, that's a very unique or different situation um, maybe then um, from another country. So each country has different different laws about adoptions and how many adoptions can occur uh, per family, right? So I, I guess what I'd like to know too is, do you know, so your parents had some information about you um, before they came, they had videos, correct? Right. Yeah. Yeah, and then they maybe received some information upon adopting you, is that correct? Yeah, they received info before, like, written down, mm-hmm. but we don't really know how accurate that is because they were told I didn't have black hair, but it's clearly blonde. So, <laughs> I'm sure. Kidding. Right. So some of that wasn't accurate. And how much information did you guys get um, with, your, with your sons, Mark and Christy? So in South Korea, it's, it's very precise. So if they say they gave the baby a shot, they gave the baby a shot. It's very detailed. We have packets of information on both uh, biological mothers. Not so much on fathers, because I don't think they were they really knew. Well, we have some information about them, about even about David's dad and Eli's biological father also. They gave us pictures and video and of the child. Of the not child. Of the, yeah, of not the child. Right and then David's foster, he lived in a foster home before he came over. So they gave us like his one year Korean dress outfit that we, they wanted us to dress him in when he turned one year old and stuff like that. So they gave us presents and we all, we got bags for both of them with stuff from South Korea and then details and paperwork and, you know, yeah. <clears throat> passports. So you, and, 
you mentioned um, that connection, you know, they gave gifts, outfit to dress them in as one. Um, do your boys have any desire to learn more about um, South Korea or do you do anything special to keep that connection alive? So our oldest, David, has just now shown quite a bit of interest in South Korea and the culture um, before it wasn't as he didn't, it didn't really matter. So he has been um, more interested in the language and he keeps talking about wanting to visit South Korea as well. So we, you know, we've been helping him with as much as we can about all that information that we know and he likes to learn a little Korean, which is fun for him. Our youngest, just, it does, doesn't matter to him right now. So he's not that interested. It doesn't really, he's just not that interested in learning or about it. So I think it just kind of depends on how we've never forced it, but it wasn't any, I mean, if they've had questions, we've always just kind of go with it. Sure. And how about you, Nikolai and Lydia? Do you, is that something that you desire um, or are you fine with saying I'm American, right? What do you guys think? There was a period in high school where I was a little more interested. And so I would, I found like our adoption packet papers in the basement and was like, yeah, this is cool. I might want to like dig into it more. And then the more I thought about it, like, I mean, I am Russian, but like, I don't consider myself Russian. And I guess it doesn't play a huge part in my life now because I was so little and it, I guess wasn't really, it is significant, but like, I don't have an interest. So other things have shaped you more than maybe your country of origin, right? Yeah, like I was only there for nine months, whereas I've been here for 21 years. How about you, Nikolai? Have you ever desired to learn more about Russia or not so much? Um, I've always been fascinated with Russia, just like the history of it and everything like that. But the fact to, I think to go back would be kind of cool at some point. Uh, we were supposed to go uh, the summer after our senior year of high school, but that didn't end up happening. But uh, I think it'd be cool, but also, again, kind of off of what Lydia said as well. I mean, I've been here my whole entire life and I know for a fact that my life here is way better than it would have been in Russia. And I've had huge, amazing opportunities here in the United States that I know would have never presented themselves to me if I were still in Russia. Yeah, and so can you, I, that leads into my next question, and that is, you know, what, what blessings, um, you know, can you recognize in, in the gift of adoption, international adoption? And you alluded to some of them, um, you know, some opportunities. What other things can you, as someone who has been adopted, that you are thankful for? I can honestly say I, uh, 93% sure if I wasn't adopted, I would not still be here because I was born prematurely at like two pounds and Russia has awful health care. And so there's no chance I would have ever made it through that. So I largely attribute like me still being alive to getting adopted. So I it was life-saving. Yeah. I'm glad they adopted you, Lydia. Me too. <laughs> Nikolai, anything from you? I would say it gave our whole family a second chance, really. Gave me and Lydia a second chance at life here, yeah. a better life here in the United States, and it gave my parents a second chance at having kids when they weren't originally able to. Yeah. 
What about the faith component? Have, has that ever crossed your mind? Is that something I know? I know Mark and Christy. I know you specifically chose South Korea uh, as that was one of the one of the reasons you chose um, Korea as a as a place to adopt from. Is that correct? Is is that the reason why we chose South Korea? No, I just remember a conversation that, um, and maybe I had it with Mark. You know that he he said that part of the reason you chose Korea was because that would be an opportunity to bring someone to faith that normally wouldn't have maybe seen um, or heard about Jesus. Um, it's, it's possible. I mean, that was a long time ago. I mean, 14 <laughs> years. And I guess it's not that long, you know, compared, comparatively. Sure. But I mean, there's a lot of factors to go in why we chose South Korea over other, other countries. Some of them were, were bad reasons we didn't, we didn't choose those countries. But um, South Korea was just, was this the best option at the time? You know, and there probably was a, a faith thing. Yeah, most most of, there's a lot of South Koreans that are not Christian over there. Um, but there are Christians over there too. So mm -hmm. there are getting more and more, you know, all the time. So, and of course, Lydia and Nikolai, um, when you think about, I guess, the blessings you've experienced in adoption, um, obviously Lydia, that it was a life-saving action for you when you think about you know talking to about adoption to others are are there any other blessings or things that you think this is a this is a reason to adopt and this is a reason to adopt internationally honest like i've thought about adoption because i don't know like with my current like health history if i'm able to have kids down the road so i've thought of international adoption but I guess the only thing that's a little nerve-wracking is I look at like the American foster care system and that's, I guess, pulls on my heartstrings more than international adoption does. Sure. But since you, you've maybe experienced as a, someone who has been adopted, um, how important it is to, to seek out those children who need homes. Yeah. And definitely we've had a Chats for Life on uh, foster care and the blessing of that as well and you're right definitely an opportunity so how does here's the big question how does international adoption value life then how does it value life well Lydia said it was life-saving to her but what about what what other ways does international adoption value life like I said earlier I mean it, it gave us a second chance you know I mean, get, putting someone up for adoption is going to, instead of, you know, going the other route, putting someone up for adoption is going to give them a chance. So you won't be able to support them, but someone else out there is going to be there who will love them and, and take care of them or raise them as their own and give you a second chance at life. Honestly, I was just about to say the same thing. So on our, I guess, papers in the basement, I found out, like, our moms were – 18 and 21 and they were both drug addicts so like what's to say they had to be like yes I want this baby but I know I can't care for it so I'll give it to someone who I know they'll take care of it rather than just like choosing not to have a kid like abortion you know right so even that act in itself I think it's huge definitely because you're right I mean, one of her options was abortion and she chose life and that that is a gift, right? And adoption then just 
uh, enhances that gift, multiplies it, right, for the rest of your life. What about Mark and Christy? And then I want to come back to Lydia and Nikolai, and maybe Victor can jump in on this too. Tell me what it's like to have a sibling. Is it something that you're thankful for? <laughs> or or is it does it create some sort of you know oddities you know, that sort of thing so um, Mark and Christy again if you could tell me about how international adoption values life that would be great well for our boys like David's birth mother didn't even know she was pregnant um, she went to the hospital to give birth she didn't realize she was pregnant and so you know that baby proud you know David would have you know ended up in like a foster home or an orphanage, you know, his whole life, you know, who knows, you know, what would have happened. Eli's the same case. Um, Eli's birth mom found out she was pregnant. She was young and she couldn't take care of it. And so she worked with the agency to get the prenatal vitamins and the care because she just knew she couldn't take care of the baby. But Eli's birth mom chose the life over abortion. And they, she worked with the agency to help with all that help them with that so yeah Eli was yeah it's a little different each of our boys have just a little different story okay so now we're back to Lydia and Nikolai and Victor as a child who's been adopted is it a good idea to adopt more than one yep both being adopted didn't really doesn't change the fact it's just that we have a sibling and like any siblings like we go through that three-year-long phase where we absolutely hate each other <laughs> And then, like, I can honestly say now he's, like, the best thing that I never knew I wanted, so. Oh, that is sweet. Nikolai has something just as sweet to say, Ooh. I'm sure. Um, I was going to, but took it right out of my mouth. <laughs> well, cop out. You just... <laughs> the cop out. You know, if someone's thinking about international adoption or encouraging others, are there any things to be aware of? Some, you know, struggles or... I wouldn't say anything that would keep you from adopting, but but what sort of struggles? And then also, I, I want you to answer the question or think about at least how can families help other families with adopted children? So first of all, the struggles. Are there any struggles um, that are unique to families who have adopted? Well, the first thing that came to mind is like international adoption is not cheap in any way, shape, or form. Like, just to adopt us was, I don't even know how much, but, like, I know they saved up for, like, three years worth of income just to adopt us. And then they don't really, per se, know what issues will come with us. So I was, like, more than they bargained for, I guess. So, like, then they have all the health bills. It's worth the money, but, yeah, I say. Just to know that, that, that it, it's probably more expensive than adopting stateside and with it comes the care, right? Yeah. Good. Any other struggles or concerns? For our family, it, we have two boys that don't look anything like us. They're Asian. So you have people that will make comments or say things or, you know, I mean, we don't look like, I don't know, normal family, you know? Um, mm -hmm. So that's kind of always been, people will just, look at you differently when you're at the grocery store if they don't know you um if you're I, disciplining your child and yeah <laughs> what's, that, what's that guy doing yeah so. i had one kid that we were at the grocery store and my youngest was getting a sample and he, the guy says oh your mom has to be here and i was right there 
And he's like, well, this is my mom. So, I mean, there's just those kind of little, I'm going to call them awkward moments just because our kids don't look anything like us. You know, and there's, there was lots, lots of paperwork. It wasn't always money. It was just lots of paperwork. They have to, we got to do a home study and that was very intrusive and, you know, somebody else coming in and judging everything about you and your house and everything you do and how you will parent now and into the future. And you had to pass that before you could even think about adopting internationally. And yeah, the money thing was there. And, and unfortunately, everybody wants a piece of the money, not only the foreign governments, but also our local government. Mm -hmm. I have been fingerprinted more times than I can remember. <laughs> That's actually a bonus for me in some aspects, but uh, <laughs> you know, yeah, I have an open book with the FBI. Yeah. They know us, mm -hmm. so, but it's, it didn't stop us. I mean, we did it twice. So I want to hear about how we can help families as well, but I don't know that we heard from Mark and Christy on the blessings of adoption. Like how, how have you personally been blessed by adopting your two sons from Korea? Well, they're a huge, I mean, they're our life, they're our family. Um, you know, we've always wanted kids and God has just blessed us in a different way than we thought. And so we can't imagine life without them. And, you know, we, yeah, it's just amazing. They've been an amazing blessing to us. So I was talking to David this before this, because he had lots of questions, of course. And we were talking about foster care. And I said, well, we had to become foster parents. And he didn't know what that was. And I said, so it's when, you know, children come into your home and stay before they're adopted or before they go back to their parents, if there's something wrong. And I said, I, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't be a foster parent because there's no way I could give up a kid. Yep. And David is blessed to be part of your family and to, to know that there's no way you could give him up. That's right. Yep. So, okay. My final question then is how can we help families? How can we help families who want to, to adopt internationally? And how can we help those who have been adopted? What are some things we can do? I think Christy kind of alluded to some um, when we talk about families, about uh, recognizing that um, sometimes families don't look the same and honoring that new family as a true family, right? What else can we do to help? What's the small thing? So like when my mom and dad were getting us, they would have people volunteer to like bring them food, clean their house, I guess watch us when we came just babysat us for free because our parents were so stressed that just even doing the little things to take a little bit off their plate means a lot. That's great. What else? Sometimes people ask me after knowing I'm adopted, well, who's your real mom? And I'm like, she's right there. Like, she's my <laughs> real mom. And they're like, no, like your real mom. I'm like, she's still right there. <laughs> so... I guess that's a huge thing that I really hate because I'm like, like, she's my real mom. So understanding that, like recognizing that maybe that question even isn't appropriate, right? Who, who is your mom? Maybe asking your origin is great, um, but to ask who your real mom is, yeah, right? Because mothers, those are the people that take care of you, right? Like, I'm good if they ask, like, who's your birth mom? And then I say, I have no idea. Yeah, so birth mom versus real mom. That's good. All right, Nikolai or the Bridges? I just lots of prayers, prayers for families, 
prayers for families that can't have children, prayers for people that are going through the adoption process, helping as much as you can, support. There's lots of support. You know, it, it doesn't have to be financial. Financial always helps. I mean, because it, it's expensive. It doesn't matter if it's international or local, it's still going to be expensive. Um, but just, just helping out them as much as you can. And just, you know, sharing, sharing your story so we can encourage people to adopt, to make different choices in life. Right. Because, of course, that adoption is a gift, right? A gift to you and a gift to your child. And it's made possible when mothers make that choice to give life as a gift to their own child, right? Okay, so now I'm gonna turn it over to you guys. What questions do you have for the Bridges, for uh, Lydia, for Nikolai? What questions do you guys have? So my cousins are adopted from Russia and uh, I've always heard stories of when they got like first to America that they, they would always like slurp down their food like they were starving in Russia. Like they literally ate every single crumb on the plate. So like, was, was there like any like noticeable details that your parents described about you guys when you first came? That's literally what my mom told me when I got over here. <clears throat> she said, I literally ate everything in sight for the first like two, three weeks. I, I just ate everything in sight. I mean, he still does that, but like back then, like he would literally not eat anything off a regular size spoon. They always tell us that he would eat it off like a serving spoon and he'd just shovel it all down. Now, the two of you were living in an orphanage, right? Lydia not the, Nikolai? Same, one. Not the same one. Not the same one? Nope. Okay. So was your orphanage, was it an issue of not having enough food or was it just you were hungry? I don't know. Maybe both. I know that they didn't really know what to do with me because I was, I don't want to say messed up, but I was a pretty messed up baby. So they didn't really know like how to feed me, how much to feed me. So I went a lot of months with like minimal food. Great question. What other questions do you guys have? I have a question for Lydia and it's Nikolai, right? Did you guys keep any of your Russian names? Did your parents keep any of your Russian names? as part of your name? Well, actually, uh, they did not. My original uh, name would be, it would be Ruslan uh, Marianovich Marishnichenko. That would have been my full name in Russian, but my parents just named me Nikolai. Okay. And I would just want to say that I'm glad they gave me a different name. <laughs> <laughs> it was Yelena Alexeyeva Portanova, and so yeah. Okay. But it was not kept like in your middle name or anything? Nope. My middle name is like my grandma's name and then another grandma's name for my parents. That, that would be the same for me as well. My, my, um, I have two middle names, Wayne Henry, after both my grandfathers. Our first son and his, so they always go by their last name first in Korea. So his name was Lee Woo Min. And our uh, second son, his name is Kong Tae Young. So... David was named David Michael Lee, so he's named after his grandpa, and then Lee is his last name. And then Eli Tae Young, so we used his middle name for, or his first name for his middle name. Good question. Any others? Well, before you go, then my final question for you is this, um, and, and I'd like to close down in this manner. Um, 
often, and that is, so many of you are part of a club or a life team on a high school or a college campus, right? So how could you use the information that you gained tonight maybe to um, share or to promote life on your school campus? What are some things you could do? You could have like a fundraiser. If you found out about a family that's wanting to adopt internationally, you could raise funds for them. That is a wonderful idea. Yes. We saw that was a great need, right? Other things. In the school newspaper, you could write an article about it. Yeah, definitely. Educational. So um, when you're looking at a Y for Life team, you're looking at four areas, education, worship, service, and celebration, right? And so service would be an opportunity to raise money, um, education, write an article in the newspaper, anything for celebration or worship. You can pray for them. Absolutely. Keep them in your school prayers. If your prayers, if your school has prayers or your personal prayers, or maybe just your group, right? When you meet together to spend a month um, praying or a week praying for those who seek to adopt and those who have been adopted. That's great. And then celebration, you all said that you knew families that had adopted, right? Uh, internationally. And some of you have those kids in your school, right? So could you celebrate that? So yeah, we could also, you know, celebrate, celebrate adoption. Um, actually, November is no known as the adoption month. So if you have not made a year plan for activities that you would like to do uh, for your wife or life team, that might be an activity, uh, a way to bring it to your school to celebrate not just international adoptions, but adoption as a gift of life. Well, thank you for coming. Thank you very much to Lydia and to Nikolai for giving us um, your personal experiences with adoption and to Christy and Mark Bridges for telling us all about what it's like to adopt. So thank you very much. Thanks for joining and I hope you come back two weeks from now. Thanks for joining us for today's life topic. Check out whyforlife.org or email michelle at whyforlife.org to find out how and when you can go live with us at our next Chats for Life session. Or join us next time right here at Why for Life Podcasts, where youth learn how to be gospel-motivated voices for life.